Edwards III, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever notice how your love runs short? Jesus tells us in the Gospels we're supposed to love with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. But in our day-to-day experience, we recognize we love God, but we don't love Him with all our heart. We love Him with an imperfect love. We love the people in our lives, certainly our spouse, our kids, our family, our friends, our co-workers. But we know deep down we don't love them as well as we should. If you've experienced your love running short, know that you're in good company because that's where St. Peter was. And I want to tell you a great story about Peter from the Gospels. I'm going to take you back 2,000 years ago along the Sea of Galilee. It's after Jesus is risen from the dead. He appears to Peter and he asks Peter these three questions. Three times he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, you know, at first glance, we as readers should be just thinking, of course Peter loves him. Of course he does. I mean, think about who Peter is. I mean, this was the man who was the fisherman that left his fishing nets behind to become a disciple of Jesus. He's made many sacrifices to follow Jesus in his public ministry for three years as a disciple. Surely Peter loves Jesus. But not only was Peter one of the many disciples, he was one of the few chosen by Jesus to go and become an apostle. Jesus is entrusting his his proclamation of the kingdom to 12 men, and Peter's one of those 12 apostles. That's pretty incredible. Surely Peter the apostle loves Jesus. And not only was Peter one of the 12, he's actually part of an inner circle among the 12, one of the three that Jesus invites up the Mount of Transfiguration, where he's going to reveal his glory to James and John and our man Peter here. And not only was he part of this inner circle, guess what? Peter is the first of all of the apostles to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And in response, Peter is given this great role of being a leader among the 12. He gets a name change, right? His name was changed from Simon to Peter. He's going to be the rock upon which Jesus is going to build his church. He's going to get the keys of the kingdom, symbolizing his great authority over the church among all of the 12 apostles. He's the principal leader. He's the chief shepherd. He's going to be the first pope. So when we read about Jesus asking Peter this question, do you love me? That should be a no-brainer for Peter, right? Of course, Peter the disciple, Peter the apostle, Peter the rock of the church. Of course, Peter would say yes, wouldn't he? But let's take a closer look at the question Jesus actually asks. Because Jesus doesn't just say, do you love me in some general sense there? No, no, no. The word that's used here in the Gospels for love, the word that Jesus uses for love makes Peter pause. And it would make you and I pause as well if Jesus asked us that question. You see, Jesus doesn't just choose uh, another word for love, like talking about ordinary human affection. There's another Greek word that could have been used there, uh, philio, that just describes normal human friendship love. Not bad, but it's not all-encompassing. That's not the word Jesus chooses here. When Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? He says, he uses the Greek word agape. And agape here is, it it describes total self-giving love, total committed unconditional love, sacrificial love. This is the love that Jesus models throughout his life, most especially on the cross. So when we look at the cross and we see this total committed sacrificial love, that's what Jesus did for us. That, that's, that's what real love is. We didn't deserve that love. 
we weren't faithful to him, but yet Jesus loves us so much. He gives up his life for us. That's the kind of love Jesus is asking Peter about here. Do you love me with that kind of love, Peter? Now, at that moment when Peter hears this, you could just imagine the pain in his heart. Peter holds back. He can't go there because he knows. He knows now quite acutely, quite painfully, he doesn't love Jesus with that kind of love. Now, let's be honest. Before, in Peter's youth, earlier in his career as a disciple, Peter's naive enthusiasm would have led him to answer, Oh, yes, Jesus, of course I love you with agape love. I mean, remember what Peter said at the Last Supper on Holy Thursday night? Uh, Peter said, Oh, I'd be willing to go to prison with you, Jesus. I'd be willing to die with you, Jesus. But what happened just a few hours later that same night? Peter denies Jesus. He says he doesn't even know Jesus. Three times Peter betrays his dear friend Jesus, and he walks away weeping bitterly. Peter knows after that experience of his threefold denial of Christ, he knows deep down that he cannot love with agape love. He couldn't even admit that he knew Jesus. He is a broken man. Uh, and so that's why Peter, in response to this question from Jesus now, he, he has to qualify his affirmation for love. He says, yes, Lord, I love, but not with agape love. It's interesting. In the Greek, if you look at the New Testament here, it's just fascinating, the wordplay that's that's in this scene in John's Gospel, chapter 21. Uh, Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you, do, do you give me agape love? And Peter comes back and says, well, Lord, you know I love you, but I, I, I love you in the word that's used there is feel that more ordinary human affection kind of love. In other words, he's saying, you, Jesus, of all people, you know how far away I am from agape, how incapable I am of agape. You know this better than anyone else, Jesus. I just denied you three times. I'm not capable of agape. The best I can offer is filio love, just my ordinary friendship love, not all-encompassing. Jesus asked a second time, do you, do you give me agape love? <laughs> it's, this would be a real sting. You go, I just told you, I can't, you know, so all right, I'm going to admit it again, Jesus. I, I can only, I, I'm going to qualify my love for you. I can only give you filial love. Finally, the third time, the third time Jesus raises the question, he changes his language. Here, Jesus changes language. He doesn't use agape love anymore. He simply says, do you, can you give me filial love? It's a beautiful, tender moment right here. And you don't see this in the English translations, but it's beautiful in the Greek that in this third question, Jesus lowers himself to Peter's level of love. He uses the word filio here. Now, he doesn't lower the standard of love, but he lowers himself to meet Peter where he's at. And he knows Peter's only capable of offering this imperfect, broken, filial love. And Jesus loves Peter so much, he's willing to accept even that. And my friends, that's a beautiful point for all of us, that we can sometimes get discouraged in our own walk with Jesus, be be discouraged by our own sins and weaknesses. Why do I keep bringing the same sin to confession? Why can't I just treat my spouse better? Why do I keep struggling with the same sin? And, and, and we want to love. We want to love with all our heart, but deep down we know we can't. The good news here is Jesus will take even the broken gift of love we can offer him. He'll take just our noble intention to just go to Jesus and say, I love you, Jesus, 
but I know I, I don't love you with full agape love. I want to, but the best I can offer is filio, kind of like Peter. And to know that, that Jesus will come down, he'll stoop down to our level, and he'll even accept that gift. You know, it reminds me of when, you know, uh, my, my children will, will want to make a little present for me, you know, and, and they'll go and they'll go maybe pick some flowers out in the fields nearby our house. And, but by the time they get to me, they've been picked over, they've been, they've been stepped on, they're broken, but they'll still come and say, here, daddy, here's this little gift for you. And it wasn't the beautiful bouquet that you can get at the florist. It's just, you know, a bunch of weeds and they've been stepped on and picked over and bit, you know, from my little kids. But, but they still come and they want to give me this little children. And I rejoice in that. It may not be the great bouquet, but, uh, but, but I see their hearts and what they want to offer me. Uh, and that's what Jesus is doing here. He sees Peter can't offer the bouquet of agape love, but, but he'll accept the little dandelions that have been picked over here from, from, little, from, from, from Peter. And there's a beautiful moment here. He basically, and that encourages Peter. And I love this last response of Peter. Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know the best I can offer you is this filio love. Thank you for taking that gift. And now we come to the most amazing part of this story. The most amazing part of the story, not only here in John 21, but of Peter's whole life. You see, uh, Christ accepts Peter's imperfect love and and he's going to do something beautiful with it now. You see, he's going to take this imperfect love and transform it. He's going to take these little dandelions, these little weeds from the field, and transform it into a bouquet of roses. Uh, remember, Remember, Jesus is the son of a carpenter. And he's not given great raw material here. And Peter admits this. He, Peter knows he is far from being that rock uh, upon which he, Jesus needs to build the church. He knows that he's an imperfect foundation stone right now. Uh, but but Peter is going to, Peter, this raw material of Peter, Jesus, the son of the carpenter, is going to use and he's going to transform Peter so that he will become that rock upon which the church will be built and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it because Jesus is going to transform Peter into that rock. But it all begins at this moment here in John 21, where Peter finally presents himself to Jesus as he really is. Again, we've seen Peter be uh, very uh, have a very high estimation of himself. I'll die with you. I'll go to prison with you. You know, and, and all this naive enthusiasm about himself, that's gone here. That's gone. After the tragic events on late Holy Thursday night, Peter knows he's not as great as he thought he was. He knows he's not capable of as much as he thought he was. He doesn't have that inflated view of himself. He comes to Jesus as he really is, a humbled man, a broken man. He comes honestly, this is all I can offer, Jesus, filial love. This is all I can give you, these weeds, these dandelions from the field. But now that he's coming as he is humbled, Jesus can take that gift and change it. Because immediately, right here, Jesus starts talking about that transformation. Uh, He he starts talking about his future martyrdom. One day, Peter is really going to offer total, self-giving, sacrificial love, agape love. This is what Jesus says in John 21, verses 18 through 19. When you are old, Peter, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. 
This he said to show by what death he was going to glorify God. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're going to be changed, Peter. You're not capable right now of offering agape love, but I tell you one day you will, and you're going to do it in the most profound way. When you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands on a cross like I stretched out my hands on a cross. You're going to be forced to go uh, where you don't want to go. Like I was forced to go out and carry this cross out through the city gates, out to Calvary, uh, led by the Romans and forced to be crucified. You know, uh, And Peter, you're going to have the same thing. You're going to die at the hands of the Romans someday. He's going to be crucified upside down in Nero's circus in the capital city of the empire, Rome. So one day, Peter will offer this heroic witness, conforming his life to Jesus on the cross. He's going to offer sacrificial agape love. But, but this is the turning point right here along the Sea of Galilee as the risen Christ appears to Jesus and poses these three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? When, when, when Peter finally admits in those three questions who he really is, not capable of agape love, that's when Jesus can begin his great work. And the same is true for you and I. When we go to Jesus, not as we'd like to present ourselves, not in this ideal image of ourselves, but humbly as we really are, capable of only offering these little dandelions, these weeds from the fields. Once we come there, Jesus can then begin to really work with us. And notice how Peter is a changed man from this point forward. Just look at what the New Testament tells us. From this point forward, Peter is a changed man. Uh, After Jesus ascends to heaven, we're going to see Peter all throughout Acts of the Apostles be this incredible, amazing leader, a man full of boldness and confidence, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, risking his own life in doing so. But it's a confidence that's different now. It's a calm confidence, a calm confidence rooted in in Christ, not rooted in his inflated view of himself. You know, think about what happens right after Jesus ascends to heaven. Peter immediately gathers the 12 apostles together. Let's choose a successor. Judas has died. We need to choose a successor. He's just calmly leading the team. In the next chapter, Acts 2 at Pentecost, he boldly proclaims the gospel and and thousands of people are hearing him and they say, what do we need to do? And he says, go repent and be baptized. And as a result of Peter's bold preaching that day in Jerusalem, 3,000 people are baptized and added to the Christian community that day. Now, now again, just some 53 days before, Peter couldn't even admit that he knew Jesus uh, around a, a charcoal fire with just a few people around. Here in front of thousands of people in Jerusalem, he's boldly proclaiming Christ. Uh, the next day, we read about in Acts chapter 3, he, his mercy. He looks upon this man who's been paralyzed and he cures the lame man. In Acts chapter Four, he ends up being arrested by the arrested by the Jewish leaders, and uh, and and he ends up going before Caiaphas and the and the Jewish uh, leaders, the same Sanhedrin that that interrogated Jesus, is now interrogating Peter, and this time Peter proves to be a faithful friend to Jesus. He doesn't deny Jesus; he boldly proclaims Jesus, and he ends up being beaten. He ends up being thrown into prison. This is a man who has been fundamentally changed. He's living like Christ. He's leading like Christ. He's serving like Christ. And he's even suffering like Christ, going before the same Jewish leaders and being condemned. And eventually he's going to go before the Romans and die at the hands of the Romans and Nero's circus, crucified upside down in Rome. 
This is a man who's been fundamentally changed, but I'm sharing the story with you because I want you to know the turning point. What was the turning point? It was right here in John chapter 21, along the Sea of Galilee, when the risen Christ came to Peter, confronting him three times, asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? The first two questions, agape love. Do you love me with that agape love? And Peter's being forced to humbly recognize, nope, Lord, I can't do that. I I am incapable of that. This is the best I can offer is filial love. Once Peter recognizes his weakness, his inability to love with agape, now Jesus can begin the great work in his soul. He sends the spirit in in Peter's heart and changes it. And, And I share this with you because what Jesus did in Peter's life, he wants to do in all of our lives if we follow him as a humble disciple. He will change our hard hearts and soften them so that we can love with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. He wants to transform us from filial love to agape love. Listen to what Pope Benedict once said about this this beautiful moment in Peter's life. Uh, There he says, Peter succeeded in entrusting himself to that Jesus who adapted, adapted himself to his poor capacity for love. That's what Jesus does. He'll adapt himself to our poor capacity of love, our filial love. And then Pope Bennett goes on and says, in this way, Peter shows us the way. Notwithstanding all our weaknesses, we know that Jesus adapts himself to the weakness of ours. We follow him with our poor capacity to love and we know that Jesus is good and he'll accept us. And he'll accept us and then he'll change us. You know, this is in the end really what discipleship is all about. And uh, what I'm sharing with you, by the way, is from the the new book that I'm working on. In fact, just in the last two days, just yesterday, uh, before this recording, I submitted the introduction and conclusion to the book. I always do that last. After writing the guts of the book, I go back and write the introduction and conclusion. And I'm sharing with you this story about Peter because that's the the model I use for discipleship. So I I mentioned this point that there's two fundamental truths a, a, a true disciple has to come to terms with. Two fundamental truths. A, so true, there's A and B. So the first true, A, is simply the, the, the disciple has to recognize his, who he really is, his weakness, his sins, his, his incapacity to love. Uh, he has to realize that he's only capable of filio. He, he, he can't love with all his heart as he'd like to. So A is the truth about myself, the truth about my own weaknesses and sins. But there's a a second truth we all have to come to terms with, and that's B. What's B? The B truth is uh, I, I, I know not only who I am, but what I'm made for. What I'm made for. I'm made to be transformed in Christ. I'm made uh, for greatness. I'm not made to settle for this weakness and, and sin and these bad habits. I'm made to be changed. I'm made to live like Christ. I'm made for agape. So you got that? So A and B, these are the two fundamental truths we have to keep in mind as a disciple. A is this is who I really am in utter humility. This is my weakness. This is all I'm capable of doing. And B, This is what I'm made for. I'm made to live like Christ, to take on his virtues and his qualities, to love like he does, A and B. So A is I'm only capable of filial love. B, I'm I'm made for Christ-like agape love. You know what discipleship's all about? You know what it means to be a disciple, my friends? 
is all about going from A to B. It's all about going from filio to agape. It's all about being transformed. I can't do that movement from A to B on my own. I need Christ to help me. I need his spirit within me. I need him transforming me into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. And that's what the Christian life is all about. Peter, that this didn't happen in an instant. It didn't happen in three years of intense training in Galilee as, as he followed a Jesus around as a disciple. This didn't happen immediately there on the shores of Galilee. Peter was a work in progress, and he was being transformed all throughout Acts of the Apostles. And ultimately, we see the crowning of his discipleship when he gives up his life in heroic witness as a martyr in Rome. But it was a lifelong process. And for you and I, our change from A to B, from Filio to Agape, is going to be gradual. It's going to take our whole lives to be transformed. But it's coming to Jesus over and over again and acknowledging, Jesus, this is the best I can offer. When you ask me, do you love me, Jesus? I know the best I can offer are these little dandelions. I know the best I can offer is Filio. But I trust that you'll accept this gift, that you'll see my heart, that I desire to love you more. And, and you'll take this weak, raw material and you'll change it and you'll transform it. And, and, and you'll transform me into agape. So my dear friends, if you could please pray for this book project. We're doing the final edits on it. It goes to the printer in November. It'll be out in January. I'll tell you more about it in a future podcast. Uh, but if you like this show, can I ask you, could you share it with other people? If you think other people would be blessed by this vision for, for love and being transformed in Christ's love, share it with other people. I'm told that the more that there's shares out there, the more it, it gets uh, out there on iTunes and then other people can hear about it. So I'd appreciate that if you shared this podcast with others that you think could be blessed by it, whether it's family or friends. And I also want to say, if you have any questions about this show or anything else on your mind, you can reach me at my website, on my website, edwardsreed.com, or you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Send me any questions you may have, any suggestions for future podcasts. I'd love to be in touch. Thanks so much. Please pray for me and my family. Know that I'm praying for you. God bless. Thank you.